50% of it. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you do,
Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good, good. We're going to all worship. We've got overflow going. So good morning into our overflow area and everyone online. We're glad you're here. We are all here. And imagine all the people around the world right now that are gathering to send up praise and worship to Jesus this morning. And we get to join in that massive choir and sing to him this morning. So would you stand up? Let's welcome him here. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here this morning. Lord, you've been waiting for every person by name to walk into this room and the overflow room and, and at home. And Jesus, we know that you are going to do something in us today. So we welcome your Holy Spirit to come here and move. We want you to be among us, Jesus, and we want to lift up praise to you and worship you and love on you this morning. So I pray that this will be an acceptable and wonderful thing that you love from your kids. We love you, Jesus, and we ask you to be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Shame is a prison as cruel as the grave. Shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave. Oh, 
Shadows holding out your hand, you met me. 
up on me. You never gave up on me. You were my testimony. You never gave up on me. You never gave up on me. You were my testimony. good. Man. Mountains are still being moved. The strongholds are still being moved. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do.
Oh, Jesus, we do need to move. We want you to come even more. We welcome you here even more, Lord. We love you so much. You deserve so much praise. You are good, Father. We know you're in control of things. But here's your kids pouring themselves out to you. Take this time, Lord. Reach into us. Touch our hearts. Settle down our minds. Let us focus in on you. You are all that matters in this moment. Everything else is set aside. Because we need you here. We love you. We know that you love us. So as we keep pouring ourselves out on you, let us remember how you look at us. That it's got us big old smile on your face. And that you love us right where we are. We love you, Jesus.
Still my first love And all I am is yours You are still my anchor Forever I'm secure You are still my first love shelter in the storm.
pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here today. Thank you for going before us in our week. Thank you for covering us, Lord, when we didn't even know you were there. You always show up. And you wait. And you wait for our hearts to catch up with you. So, Lord, I pray that this morning will be a morning that you protect our hearts and you protect our minds so that you can come in and just move in us. Lord, use Pastor Matt's word that you've given him this week and what he studied. Lord, change us. Change us from the inside. Change who we are, Jesus. Make us more like you. Lord, send your spirit to walk up and down these aisles and in between the chairs and down the halls and in through all the little fiber objects that bring us into the living rooms of the people at home. Father, you are everywhere. You are big and you are in control of it all. We're so thankful that you come into our lives and you take care of us on a personal level. So reach us there this morning, Jesus. I pray that this time will be intimate for each one of us. I pray that this will be time that we release things to you and give them to you for the last time. But this time we're going to leave them at your feet and trust you and believe that you're working. Lord, I thank you for letting us meet this week because we don't know from week to week what's going to happen. But we know that you will always be with us, whether we're at home or here or driving in our cars. Lord, we won't give up because we know you don't give up on us. We thank you for that, Father. We love you. So spirit move. You are welcome here. We love you. Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Just a reminder that the offering plates are in the back and the offering box is out in the hallway. I also wanted to let you know that we collected 55 boxes this week for Christmas Child, so we're really excited about that. 55 boxes. It's really awesome. So we've got some announcements for you. And then we will get into God's word. James 1.27 tells us, The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our Lord Jesus tells us in Matthew 25.40, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Every year, more than four million children teeter on the brink of entering foster care. And more than 400,000 are in foster care, most of them for preventable reasons. The foster care system impacts more than you can imagine. 50% of the homeless, 60% of girls and women rescued from sex trafficking raids, and 75% of those incarcerated spent time in foster care. The foster care system is ground zero, the place where our efforts will have the absolute greatest impact on our communities. And here is the good news. So many of you care about these issues. Churches and agencies and businesses, community leaders all want to help. What we're missing 
is connection. The chance to collaborate and put our networks and resources together. Care Portal uses technology to make real-time care connections for kids and families in crisis. This platform helps us make the most vulnerable children our priority, which makes them the single most powerful source for uniting and healing our communities as we serve together. Here's how it works. Caseworkers with child-serving agencies encounter needs of children in crisis every day. They enter vetted needs into Care Portal, which immediately makes local churches and community members who've joined the network aware, giving them a real-time opportunity to respond. This platform is designed to equip the local church to be at the point of care for these children and families in need. And it allows for the entire community to work together on any request. So whether it's one church that responds or a community of churches and businesses and individuals working together, Care Portal makes vital connections possible through an easy to use platform at your fingertips. So many of our children and families in child welfare are isolated. They don't have a support system. Care Portal can provide not only the physical needs for the children and family, but can also provide a support system and relationships. I look at the Care Portal as a platform for us to be able to do ministry uh, across denomination lines, across racial lines, across social economic lines, and the mission field is in our backyard. Sometimes, Connection means meeting one need at just the right moment. At other times, connection starts life-changing relationships. When you join Care Portal, you're saying yes to connections that change lives, transform communities, and can reverse the foster care crisis in our nation. That yes makes children the priority because every child matters and what you do matters. Children have the power changes. As you saw in the video, God's love is greatly needed in order to guide these children into a safe and healthy life and relationship with our Lord. In the past year that the Global Orphan Project has been active through the Care Portal in Keller County, over 500 foster families have received much needed help and the message that God loves them. This was accomplished with the help of just three churches. As of today, Woodland Life Center is proud to join in this mission of looking after orphans in our community. You can also help by simply going to our main webpage and scrolling down and clicking on this Sign Up to Help button on the Care Portal Embed. You can also help without signing up by using the Care Portal Embed toggle and scrolling down until you see a need that you would like to meet and then click Yes, I can help. There are also many other ways to serve in our church and in our community from assisting in our children's church to helping our neighbors, such as the dis disabled or those unable to leave their homes. If you would like to find an opportunity to serve and to share the Lord's love with our neighbors, email me at serve at wlcnas.com, call 719-493-8804, or find me before or after service. Thank you, and may the Lord bless this mission. And, well, as usual, oh, there we go. I am, there it went. That was good. 
Oh, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you who are, uh, who are watching over uh, next in the chapel. I want to welcome you who are watching from home. And also, I was told uh, just yesterday and, and this morning, uh, followed up with, there are several of you who are watching on your phones and listening on your car radios in our parking lot uh, on 103.3. It is good to have you with us as well. I'm going to tell you, church, that I am proud of you. Uh, uh, we are, a, I mean, I tell you all the time, or try to remember to tell you, but you're a good church, but here's one of the things that I'm proud about, is that we have been adaptable in tough times, and that's one of the things that has been a marking point of the church of Jesus Christ. We have had to learn to be adaptable for 2,000 years, and, uh, and we have, and the church still is, and the church will always be. Amen. Amen. So uh, we thank you again. These are odd days. Uh, some can say, well, you know what, uh, it's, uh, it's not fair, the things that are going on. I really thought that the great idea, because I found out that casinos are allowed to have 100 people, while houses of worship are only allowed to have 50 people in each big room. I told Jerry if he would just put a handle on that box he built for our offering, you know, that maybe we could just, you know, we could, you know, I mean, put, have some lights, you know, you saved five souls. Well, I don't know, but anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but whatever it takes, right? Well, we do our best, and we're thankful that uh, even in the midst of it all, we can still smile and say, thank you, Lord in the midst of these days. Uh, I, I, I want you to turn to James chapter 5 with me. James chapter 5, we're going to be going through verses 7 through 12. And uh, as we look at those that here coming up soon, I want to start out with this understanding um, that, uh, that we need to stand firm in a world of distractions. And actually, my, my first point this morning is this, and I want to ask you this right off the top. Do you believe that God is really in control? I'll ask you again. Do you believe in these crazy days that God is still really in control? Amen. Amen. It's... We believe as a church of Jesus Christ that God does have a plan even in the world that we live in today. We do believe that his purposes and that his plans are really being accomplished even today. That's a hard one, isn't it? Sometimes when we think and we talk and we look around and we talk with amongst each other. It, it may be easy to give in to doom and gloom, but I want you to know that nothing that is happening right now is thwarting God's, uh, his awesome plans and his awesome purposes for us and for this world. Nothing. Nothing that's happened over this past week or over this past year, as tough as some may say 2020 is, that has not been a surprise to our God. And nothing has changed the power that he still holds within his hands. Yes, we are bombarded with news of fraud and riots and division and anger and reckless words. We do live in a divisive world. And it's funny because it seems like oftentimes in the midst of this divisive world that we are in, that everyone wants to be 
king. Have you noticed that? Everyone wants to be king. Everyone wants to be able to say, look at me. Whether it's the politicians or whether it's athletes or whether it's musicians or CEOs or lawyers or uh, even a few pastors <laughs> seeking to establish their own kingdoms. Average people, teenagers, seniors, everyone in between using social platforms online saying, look at me, listen to my message and whoever gets the most followers, isn't it funny? Whoever gets the most followers is deemed most important. I want you to know that I'm here with you today to say that the only one worth following in this world is Jesus Christ. And I ask, as I say that, I, I, I hear your amens, but I'm asking, do you really believe that? that the only one worth following is Jesus Christ. I ask that because I fear that in many churches today in America, there are many who are ready to give up. I'm concerned that there are many who feel that because you know, the, the American dream is on the decline, that, that God himself is on the decline. If everything you know, if the freedoms that you enjoy, if the loves of your life, the money in your bank, the health that you enjoy, if it all were taken away, would you still follow Jesus? Would you still endure it all for Jesus' sake? Would you patiently wait in great expectation knowing and believing that God is going to show up even when the world seems to be falling apart around you. So I ask again that first question that you see above me. Do you believe God is in control? Amen. You see, this is really the central theme of James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. And I know that maybe many of your titles probably in your Bibles will say something like um, endurance in hardship or patience in suffering. But here's, in the midst of it all, is what is being asked by James here is, do you believe that God has this? Do you believe that God is still powerful enough to save in the midst of your greatest struggle? I want you to just kind of take a step back with me. Just, just kind of, if you can just imagine just kind of forgetting the politics, forgetting the craziness of the world around you, forgetting what is probably maybe waiting for you when you get home. Just, just, let, just take out a deep breath and let it go. And just take a step back. As James lifts our eyes, to a future horizon. In James chapter 5, verse 7, he says these words, Be patient then. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. <laughs> and now I'm going to stop there for just a second. <clears throat> All of us could probably say there's been a time in our life 
when we've been patient, right? I was patient with you, you know, Lori, I was patient with the pastor this morning, you know, um, you, you could, I'm patient, we're, we're patient, Wendy was patient with me through the membership classes, we can, we can say that for a short time, but here's what James is saying, you need to be patient until Jesus comes back. Some of you have felt that way when someone's asked you, hey, would you just do the nursery for me? When do, how long do I have to do that? Until Jesus comes back. You know, you, you've been there. You know, you know how that feels. Well, James is saying that's actually for real when it comes to your patience level. Your patience has to look like this. You need to be patient till Jesus comes back, till the Lord's coming. <laughs> so we read these words, and, and we're already seeing, oh, great, we're in trouble. But here, James does something even that Jesus would often do. He, he turned his eyes to nature to, and to the caretakers of who we see around us of nature, our farmers. And he says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You see, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. We look at this portion, and at first blush, you may think, what, what's up with James? I mean, just earlier in the chapter, the last few verses, he was just saying, woe to you, woe to you rich, corrupt rulers, woe to you rich people who are corrupt with what you have. And then all of a sudden, he, after he's in this midst of, you know, woe are to you, he almost makes like this wild turn and you just feel like, you know, he, he, he may be bipolar and saying, and by the way, be patient, folks. <laughs> What's going on here? There is a common thread, by the way. He's not bipolar. He's not just making some type of a arbitrary uh, turn here it's there's a thread you see in this dramatic shift that you might sense in scripture you might think well this is an unexpected leap in his thought process but james is actually right on the mark where he's going with us the shift is not haphazard. It's not born out of the, it is born, excuse me, out of the first verses of chapter 5. And there he warns the corrupted rich. But here's the thing, what makes them corrupt? The thing that made them corrupt that he was sharing in that first few verses was this, that they were trying to set up their own kingdoms here on earth. We talked about that last week. 
And in doing so, they were taking advantages of their communities, of their employees, and they were corrupting their cultures, and we've seen it. Maybe some of you here have said, I've experienced that, and, and if you haven't, and I was speaking with someone this morning, Eric was actually telling me, you know what, after last week's sermon, he said, I wanted to tell my employer, I wanted to read that scripture to him to tell him, thank you for not being that guy. <laughs> Isn't it good that we have good employers? that are Christian men and women who love the Lord and do the right thing. But here's the deal, for those who are not, what James is saying is really what they're trying to do is to set up their own little personal kingdoms here on earth. And James doesn't miss a beat because in that next verse, in verse seven, where he says, be patient, stand firm, brothers and sisters, because the kingdom is at hand. Be patient and stand firm, Brothers and sisters, while corrupt men and women are building their own personal kingdoms, guess what? Be patient because the kingdom of God is actually being established on earth as it is in heaven even today. Every time someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ, the kingdom is being established. Every time a prayer is lifted, every time a meal is given, every time a word of encouragement is shared, every time you would go to the care portal on our website and say, I'm going to help with this need. This, these kids need a bunk bed. I'll be there. I'll take care of that. This kingdom of God is being established in our midst. But what James is revealing is that when the days come that make no sense, and when you feel like maybe life has just pushed you into a corner, when you feel like maybe that you're just the sum total of just your career, or when life no longer has the joy that it once delivered, stand firm to the end because God's purposes and plans are still being worked out today. But we all know far too well that waiting is the hardest part. Amen? <laughs> Waiting's never easy. It's no fun being in God's waiting room. Have you been there? You're like, I know that I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore, but God, what are you calling me to do next? I'm not sure exactly where I'm going. I, I don't know exactly where you're calling me to. Can you imagine Abraham when God tells him, you know what, you need to just uproot, leave, get all of your, your family, all of your employees, everyone who is with you, all of your livestock, start going across to a place to the land where I'm going to show you, and he's in the middle of the desert. He's got to be wondering, what in the world am I doing in the desert of God? God's waiting room. Where am I going? <laughs> maybe you've been, maybe you're right there right now. <laughs> David in scripture lamented as he waited on God to come to his rescue. He even wrote in the Psalms in chapter 42 verse 3. He says these words, "My tears have been my food day and night." While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Have you ever been in that place where you have cried out and even it feels like your tears are just crying out, where is God in the midst of this? Have you been there? Well, James is urging us here, be patient, church. Stand firm. Learn to wait well when it seems like God is doing nothing. Because I guarantee you that when it seems like God is doing nothing, he is up to something good. 
Remember, James reminds us in verse 11 that we count as blessed those who have persevered. I want to ask you, you might sense this right now. This might be hitting you right where you're at. Maybe you're feeling like you're in a season of silence right now. Maybe you've, you can say, you know, I, I feel like I've been seeking God with all my strength, but I'm hearing nothing. I have good news for you today. There is a God-ordained time for you to learn to wait well. It's good to learn to wait on the Lord. Be patient. But you may ask, well, how do I wait well? How do I wait well? And the first thing I want to tell you is this. You need to pray. Pray. What if I don't feel like praying, Pastor? Pray anyway. <laughs> what, what if it feels like God isn't listening? Then keep praying. As a matter of fact, we are urged in Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So first, church, if you want to learn to wait well, then you need to learn to pray without. Secondly, trust. The theme of this passage is that God is really in control. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it seems like the corrupt are actually getting their way, even it seems like your, your boss or, or, or is, is taking advantage of you or just life is crumbling down around you, God is still in control. Here's the question for us when we are in God's waiting room, learning to wait well, do we trust in him? Do we trust that his plans and purpose will not fail? So if that's the case, we will trust even when it doesn't make sense. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I remember learning this in a group called Caravan when I was just a kid. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. But here's the thing. You see, if we don't trust, then the opposite of trust is, is what James is showing us actually in verse 9 of our text today. When we don't trust, when we don't do what is being said here in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, guess what we do do? We grumble. <laughs> have you been there? I, ha I have. I've grumbled. I've not been happy. I mean, this just stinks. I don't like what's happening. I don't like what's going on. I've been there. I've grumbled. But here's the thing that James even says in verse 9. He says, don't grumble against one another. Have you ever done that? Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Here's the thing is, what I find is a direct correlation there is when we don't trust in God, then often what happens is we begin to grumble against each other. God, instead of saying, God, I don't know what in the world you're doing. I don't know, how, I don't know what, the ex is, what direction you're going. I don't know how to expect next. Here's what God is actually sharing and trying to deal with us. He's trying to help us to trust him. And yet, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to say, well, you know what? If, you know, if Harry over here, and Aine, if he would have just gotten this right, then everything would be okay. Instead of saying, God, I'm just going to trust. 
I'll never forget one senior lady in our, our church where I served. She said, sometimes I don't always agree with our shepherd. She's talking about me. <laughs> but she says, you know what? And she's telling this to me. When I struggle maybe with our shepherd, I go to our shepherd's shepherd. Did you hear me? <laughs> and I never forgot that. And let me tell you something. She is one of my greatest supporters. She would always be in prayer for me. She always was looking after me. I know that even today, she is praying, continually to praying for me. I thank God for that. But here's the thing. If we don't go to the shepherd, shepherd, then our first step in the other direction is just to grumble and complain. Man, if Jerry would have just put that handle on the box. <laughs> but in that verse, in verse 9, he not only says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. But then he says something very profound. He says, the judge is standing at the door. Why does he say that? Why does he say that the judge is standing at the door? Here's the purpose of that, is he's saying, you know what? You need to trust who the true judge is. Quit trying to be the judge yourself. Trust the true judge who will take care of your brother or your sister. Amen? That's not easy to do. Well, next. How do I wait well? We serve. James speaks of the prophets. He speaks of Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. You know, these are the prophets that he is, I'm sure, thinking of in his mind, the prophets of the Old Testament. One of them's name is Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet. He kept serving others, though, even in God's name, even in the midst of tears. Even through the tears, he continued to serve. Hosea was told by God to marry a whore. And he kept serving God's people while his own wife illustrated their spiritual adultery against God. Do you think they didn't wonder at some point in their life, these prophets that James is speaking of, do you think that he, they didn't wonder at some point, what is God thinking? Why did God ask me to marry this person? Why did God ask me, you know, in the midst of all of this pain and torment and my tears, uh, to still serve him through it all? What, what is God thinking? Where is God in this? Well, of course they asked that. Of course they did. But like any good waiter, and by the way, sometimes we think of waiting, like being in God's waiting room, we think of waiting or wait as a noun, but I believe that in God's kingdom that waiting is actually a verb. So like any good waiter or waitress, they continued to serve God and people even through the struggle. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And if you want to know how this world is going to know that the church matters, it's this. It's because we have learned to love one another. Finally, learning how to wait well, count your blessings. <laughs> count your blessings. You remember that old song? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. 
there is always, I remember my mom telling me when I was a kid and I would complain and grumble, Matt, there's always someone who is worse off than you. Thank God that you have what you have. In James 1, we remember that from several, several weeks ago where we started, count it all joy, remember? That's where we started out. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. And you might say, well, why, 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 Pastor? I mean, why, why, are you, why, why are you saying this? Well, can you just gloss over this part of Scripture? Why do we need to learn to wait well? Because waiting well realigns our focus on God. Let me say it again. Why do we learn, need to learn to wait well? It's because waiting well realigns our focus on God. You see, there's no, it wasn't an accident, it wasn't just some crazy thought that, or reckless thought that James had when he said to us in this portion of Scripture to consider Job. And, and, and I want you to think a little bit differently than maybe you have ever thought about the story of Job before. Because we who are familiar with, with Scripture, we know the story of Job. We know that you know, there was this battle, this, this, what do you even call it a battle? But it was kind of this, this thing that happened in, in the heavenlies. And it was between God and, and Satan. And Satan, our enemy, was like, you know what? He was also Job's enemy. He's like, I see it, Job and how much he serves you, how much he loves you, how much he would give everything for you. But of course Job would give everything for you because see how greatly you've blessed him. See how much you've given him. See all the riches that he has. Of course, who wouldn't praise you, God, if they had all of that stuff? Why don't you just let me have a round or two with Job, and then let's see if he still loves and serves and blesses your name. And so God said, okay. Have at it. You can't take his life, but have at it. And, and, and we sometimes wonder, what, what? But see, this is how Satan works, is he loves to come at us where he knows it's going to hurt the most. And he comes at us with, what I would call a plague of distractions. And you're going to think maybe that's kind of harsh because you're probably thinking to yourself right now, look, this guy lost his kids. They died. He lost his wealth. He lost his, his, his employees. He lost his livestock. He lost his homes. He lost everything else. He's sitting there in a bunch of ashes. He's scraping his own skin. He's, and you're saying it's just a bunch of distractions. Have you ever lost a child, Pastor? Have you ever lost this? Have you ever lost these things? Well, You might be surprised. But here's the thing. What Satan was trying to do, and the bottom line of what he wanted to see happen, was that it was all meant to distract Job from his relationship with God. If he can just separate Job from his God, ah, he would be so happy. Sometimes we look at our lives and we look at the things that we accumulate and we look at even our, our children or our, our we, and we're like, they're mine. They're mine. God, you, you can take anything else. You know, take, take my money. I don't, but these things, they're mine. 
God is telling us we need to hold on loosely. And James is revealing this to us here. We hold on loosely. And we trust God in the midst of the good and the bad. I'll never forget being told in some graduate school and one of our professors came up and he said, here's what I want you to hear from me today. If you hear nothing else, and we were going through kind of the role of the pastor. and the, He said, in the Middle Ages, he said, the role of the priest and how they taught the priest, what he was supposed to do, and, and the main emphasis that they had talked to the priest about was this, that during the days of the plague, that they were told, your main job is this, to help people die well. <laughs> how would you like that? We went on down that line, but still we need to learn to die well. And how do we do that? It's by saying, instead of saying this, it's by saying, God, I'm releasing it all. All of my hurts, all of my pains, all of my concerns, my kids, my, my, my whatever wealth that I may have, my home, my job, my career, the direction of our country, my, my hurts, my, my unforgiveness, all of that, I'm dropping it into your hands. I'm letting go of it because I believe, God, you really are in control. But can we say that even in the midst of the ash heaps of life like James is telling us about here with Job? So, Wednesday, early morning, I, and, and you never have heard me say this, because I, I generally, this never really happens to me. It's maybe happened like two or three times in my life. But I had a dream Wednesday, that early morning, we, morning hours of that day. As I was sleeping, I, I dreamt these things, and I knew you're going to think I'm crazy, and don't worry, I'm not a Joseph, where I'm like, hey, guess what? I had another dream that I'm going to be king of kings. You know, this no, I, I'm not trying to do that like Joseph did with his brothers. Here's what I'm saying is I, 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 I had this dream, and I vividly remember. I don't remember any of my dreams. But in the midst of this dream, I found myself in a church, and it wasn't this building. It was a different building. I was on stage, and... And we were singing songs like we normally would sing. And, and in the midst of singing songs, a man came up to me, and he was in scrubs. I knew that he was obviously in the medical profession of some sort. He was in scrubs. And uh, he grabbed me, and I mean, he just kind of gave me this bear hug. And when he did that, he, he, I just couldn't breathe. I felt like the life was being pushed out of me. And, and I just, he just, God, the harder I pushed against him, the harder he held on. And, and I, he just looked at me right in the eye, just right here, and he says, pray. You better pray. And next thing I know, I was, I was released. I was on a different part of the stage, a little bit further front, and he was in the back, kind of what you would think of maybe as a choir area, and he was just glaring at me. I, I didn't know what, so I, I began to preach, and for some reason, I was preaching, though, from over here in this corner, and there was a glowing light in the center here, and it was just a pulsing light, and no one was looking at me. No one, I, it felt like no one was even paying attention. Everyone was focused on this light. 
And while people finally had gotten their focus where it was supposed to be, someone who was in a pew, you remember those? (laughs) Who was in a pew, I began to see smoke rising up from around her feet. I'm like, what in the world is she doing? And she had started a little fire right there in her pew. And I was like, oh, come on. And so I had people, I was like the security team came out. We're, we're trying to get the fire out. I was with them. I had the, you know, the fire extinguisher. And she grabbed the fire extinguisher from me, and she ran out the door. And she started just shooting it everywhere. And the Lord said, block her out. Keep her from coming back in. <laughs> Strange. I opened my eyes. It was 3.29 Wednesday morning. And God said to me, I just sense it, just God saying to me, Matt, all this stuff, all these things that are going on, they're distractions, Matt. They're just distractions. Keep your eyes where they need to be. Keep them on me. And you know what that light was in the moment? It was not me. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that even James is saying to us here. We need to keep our focus where it needs to be. It needs to be on God himself. Distractions take our eyes off of what is most important in life. We can be so distracted by a virus that we forget to serve the great healer. And yes, we're all going to die. And maybe I might die of this virus. But guess what? I know that God not only heals on this side of heaven, he heals as I walk through the gates of heaven. Distractions can take our eyes off the fact that God can do things here that we never imagined. He can change people that we never thought he could change. I mean, he can do things, and I've seen it with my own eyes, where people who I thought, there's no way that they will ever give their heart to Jesus. There's no way that they will get their life turned around. They gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that God could even save a man by the name of Joseph R. Biden? My God's big enough to do that. I sense God. Maybe not for any of you. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) I sense God though saying, Matt, you keep your eyes on me. It doesn't matter what the distractions are. You keep your eyes on me. And you keep moving forward in me. It doesn't matter who this world may think is in charge. What they don't know is that I am in charge and my plans and my purposes prevail. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you're going to find a story of a group of people who were like, you know what, give us a king. They were Israelites, and they said, give us a king. Just give us a king. We want to be like all the other nations. Just give us a king. And God was like, why? I Listen to them, but here's the deal. I don't, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting me as their king. Why would they do that? And finally, he just was like handed them over to their own devices and said, here, go ahead and just take your king. And we all know how well that worked out. Well, let me tell you something. There is no man or woman here on earth that is my king, only my God. And Jesus Christ, his son, is my king and my savior and my Lord of lords. I will follow him no matter what the cost. But I sense God. And sometimes we might feel like right now that we are in that waiting room. (laughs) I sense God calling us today. Would you fast and pray, Matt? 
Would you just fast and pray? And some of you, <laughs> some people, more than one actually say to me, oh man, anytime you just say the word fast, I just immediately get hungry. Or I just immediately think of the thing that I really, really love. And, and I'm not telling you, and some people have medical conditions where they can't stop eating. I get that. You don't have to fast, you know, like for days on end or anything. Ask God, what would it be? Because something that might be more important to you than food might be, you know, the time that you're spending in media, or the time that you're spending in front of a screen. Or the time that you're spending, you know, eating your favorite desserts. I remember one guy saying to me, Pastor, I, I, I gave up my favorite stuff, chocolate and Coca-Cola. And, and he said, it was really hard for me. But he said, I learned whenever my stomach began to growl, and, I remain, and, and I'm thinking, I just want to take care of myself, that my mind began to be trained that, you know, I need to begin to focus on God instead of focusing on me. I don't know what it is. I'm going to ask you, church, would you fast and pray with me? I'm not going to give you specific instructions. I'm going to let you sort that out with the Lord. You might say, well, why? Because fasting, church, realigns our focus. It realigns our focus. And, and here's the thing is that when it comes right down to it, when it comes right down to it, nothing else matters except for how I served my God. James is asking us, gain some perspective, church. Gain some perspective, realign your focus, and get your eyes on the prize. Why are you here on earth? Uh, it's not to store up for yourself. It's to be a blessing with what God has given you. I, I think of that and I think as the worship team comes up, uh, I think of uh, a group of people that I have gotten to know well over the past several weeks. We had a membership class and, and uh, there were some people say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in becoming a member of Woodland Life Center, Church of the Nazarene. I want to be a part of this. And, and, and I want you to know, church, by the way, and those of you who are out there as well, I want you to understand that the first time you come here, you're our guest. The second time you come here, you're family. And then membership is not us saying, we're choosing you. It's you saying, we're choosing this place to be the place through which we serve. I, and so these folks that I, I, I want to just uh, bring forward today there are folks that have said, you know what, I'm choosing Woodland Life Center to be my conduit through which I want to serve this church body and our community, ultimately serve God. I'm thankful for them. I would like to ask that Gene and Bernard and Harry, you're here already, and Holly, if you're, I don't know, yeah, there's Holly there, come on up, and, and, uh, and Wendy, come on up as well. These five people, they are part of our membership class. We went through the Articles of Faith, and Jim doesn't like me to mention his name, but we even did, you know, spiritual gifts. He did a great job with that and, 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 and helping us understand how we serve. And here's one of the things I just want to brag on a little bit. Every person that you see here is serving already. Every person. 
Gene and Bernard, thank you for the great food today and always being here when we've had times of we just need to you know, work or there's work times. Wendy, you were here for Trunk or Treat helping us to you know, get things going, and you also yesterday with putting together a set design for us. Thank you. Holly, you serve us here on the worship team doing great things with us and sharing your gifts with us in many ways that maybe people don't even know about. But, and Harry, not only here, don't you play a saxophone too? Okay, so sometime we're going to get Harry on the saxophone here, right? <laughs> and, and then also, but Harry was here yesterday too, cutting wood, getting things ready. Here's the thing is they are saying, you know what? I choose Woodland Life Center to be my place to be a conduit for the good things that God is doing in our community. And I'm thankful for each one of them. And I just want to ask you, would you just give them a warm welcome with applause? You may be seated. I want to close in this song. And and maybe if some, in some way God has just touched your heart today, maybe if he's just saying, you know what, uh, maybe there needs to be a realignment. Maybe eh, my perspective has just gotten off. I, I don't care if you, I mean, this altar's always open and always here for you. But I want to just ask you whether you make this altar your place of prayer or where you are seated your place of prayer, would you just ask God, would you just, God, would you search me, search my heart? Make sure that everything that needs to be in focus with you is in focus with you, Lord. And, and if there's anything in me that is not, help it to help me to say no to that and yes to you, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you what, our world needs a church that says when all else is going south real quick, when it seems like everything else is crumbling and every foundation is shaken, that we serve a God that gives us confidence. We keep our heads high. We keep our chin up because we know that in the end, who we serve and where our focus is is what matters. So today, would you stand with me? And, and, and unless you want to make that place where you're seated, maybe your place of prayer, you can stay seated and just pray or make this altar. But let's sing together in prayer and in our hearts to the Lord as we close. So from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. 
Come to church. It's a privilege not only to come to church, but it's a privilege for us to be able to be the church. Amen? And so today, as you leave this place, you're not just leaving and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm no longer a, uh, a part of the church. I'm no longer doing anything. No, as you leave, you are leaving to be the church because beyond these walls is your mission field. God has placed you in that job that you found yourself in. Maybe in times you think, why am I even here? It's to share the love of God and his power and be his presence in that place. And wherever you find yourself at home or at work or at school, you are to be the church. And I'm gonna tell you that power from on high is yours today. It's yours. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter if I'm living in a rock hut. I don't give a rip. I have the power of God upon me. God is good, amen. Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit coming down and just settling in on our hearts and our minds. Thank you, God, for being, always being faithful. Even at times when we are tired of being in your waiting room, you never give up on us. And Lord, we will keep our focus on you. God, today, 
As we leave this place, give us power beyond our wildest imagination to be people with a smile on our face, uh, just a little bit of a hop in our step. God, to be people of joy in the midst of all things shaking around us because our foundation is firm. We thank you that you've given us and are our firm foundation today. We pray these things in confidence and we ask you, God, continue to realign us to you every day, every hour, in Jesus' name, and together we say, amen, amen. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Are you glad you came to church? All right, I'm so proud of you. Go be the church. God bless you. If you want to talk to me, I'll be up here on the side. Uh, I love to have a chance, especially if you're new, to get to know you.